0: Thank you, Miss Penny, for that offer Tory. Church, are we ready to have church? Oh, you're gonna sound convinced. That was awful. Church, are we ready to have church? All right, that was much better. James chapter four in your Bibles. James chapter four. We are one message away from being done with our fresh fire series. We finished the profound praise series this morning. Say aw. Yes, we were really sad about that. And so that's happening. That was done. We gotta so that means in a in two weeks' time. We'll be in two brand new series, actually three brand new series we're going to start. And so there's a lot of work, there's a lot of study, and a lot of prayer that's been going into that. I kind of have the year mapped out uh, for what we will, uh, what we will do, uh, pending seeing what happens today. But um, God is good, and we're going to make sure that we preach the word of God. Amen? So we've been talking about the Fresh Fire series. Let's see if you remember. Here's a little recap. We want to start the fire where? In ourselves, so that we can, change the start, so that we can soak the fire Where? In our church so that we can, we can bring the fire to the community and then ultimately the world, all right? And so those things are, so we, so we have that going on and we're working on bringing that fire within ourselves so that we can stoke the fire in the community and so we can ultimately, uh, sorry, in the church, then in the community and then ultimately the world, ultimately the world. And so we are one, uh, we, are, we have tonight and then we have uh, next time. And then we will be done with the Fresh Fire series, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Let's turn over to James chapter four. I hope you are already there. If you're there, say Amen. Amen, amen. church. You're gonna have to wake up. Don't do that to me. You have to wake up, church. I know it's Sunday afternoon. You had a big hearty lunch. You're tired. You're weary. You have work tomorrow. I understand. But we're in church. Amen. amen. So let's do church things. Let's look at verse. Um, let's look at verse. Uh, verse two. Um, actually, back up to verse 1. It says, From whence come wars fi- and fightings among you? And they not hence even lust that war in your members? You lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot attain. You fight in war, yet ye have not because you ask not. Ye ask and ye receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. In this fresh fire series, what we're going to be talking about is spoken fire in your prayer life. Stoking the, uh, that was mixed words, Stoking the fire in your prayer life. Now, I'm going to do something which I believe is important for us all to do is to be transparent. All right? If you'll know that I believe in transparent, my team will tell you all the time, I'm big on transparency, and I want us to make sure that we, you can't, if you have a false foundation, then you're going to have a false sense of growth. You need to be able to ex- talk about where you're at so that you can build on the right foundation to grow to where you need to be. Prayer is the weakest area of my spiritual life. It's the weakest area. <gasps> haven't you been a, a Christian for a long time? Yes. Haven't you been ordained for a little while? Yes. Aren't you licensed? Yes. Don't you have it? Yes. Did you go to Bible college? Yes. But prayer life is the one area of my Christian walk that always, to me, feels like work. I don't know why. I just shake. It just shakes. It what's crazy. I've seen, Brother Gary, I've prayed. I've prayed and I've fasted. I've seen God do powerful things. I've seen God do things and change my life completely. As a matter of fact, before I even came to this church, I was fasting. And I wasn't fasting for this church, but I remember saying when I graduated high school or college I said, "I'm God, I'm going to go back to grad school because I don't I'm not going to go and work at Walmart." Now, there's nothing work, wrong with working at Walmart, but I got a 4-year degree in Bible and I want to use it. You know what I'm saying? And so I said, "God, I'm going to if I don't have a place to go, then I'm going to just I'm going to just, you know, Pray and, and, and go back to go back to school, but I'm just I'm not gonna not be in ministry. You know what I'm saying? And so I pray and say, God, you know, you you work that out. I end up getting a call from Dr. Glenn Riggs at Starlight Baptist Church. He says, Hey, there's an opportunity open for you. And I remember praying. I said, God, these are the three things I work I want in the ministry. I want to work with the music, I want to work with the kids, and I want them to have a Christian school. And I've been praying. And um, long story short, Dr. Glenn Riggs gave me a call. Said, I want you to be thinking about this ministry. Um, and I said, what ministry is it? He told me it was Orlando Baptist Temple. I remember praying and fasting, and then lo and behold, here I am. Um, but prayer changes things. I've seen prayer do a, a lot of mighty things. The Bible records a lot of mighty things that prayer has done. And what's funny is for having complete and unwar, un, you know, unadulterated access to the almighty you know, being, the, the strongest being in the universe, you would think that you would want to tap into that as much as possible. Um, God is not a holy ATM machine, but it's almost as if you had an account that had a million dollars in it, and you're homeless. Why not tap into that money? You know what I'm saying? God is, you have, when you have God, you have, you know, all that you need. You have all that you need. And nothing, will let, nothing provisionary will be able to supersede what God can do for you. And sometimes we live this life, and we don't realize that there is no secretary. There is no call waiting. There is no, you know, we'll get back to you later. There's no, I'm busy. There's, you go to God, and he's there. And so why don't we tap into that? Why don't we use the almighty God of the universe where the Bible clearly tells us that is in our corner, that is in our favor. That he, remember t- this morning, we were talking about how he, the of the, he, he hears the prayer. He hears the ears of the cry of, of the righteous. He, he sees the righteous. His, 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 he's inclined to draw nigh to people who, who are of a broken heart. So God is a God who wants that intimate relationship. He wants us to be working on making sure that we talk to him, have a relationship with him. And so it's something that I work at every single day. I'm being transparent. I work at every single day, and I have to sometimes really force myself to pray. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know why it it feels the way that it does. I believe it's the devil, because I believe the weakest Christian can rattle the gates of hell. And Satan knows that. Satan knows that prayer is powerful. And prayer changes things. The Bible says, confess your faults to another, to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. We talked about that verse earlier, This earlier, and we might look at it again here. But it said, we talked about it this morning, but um, we, have not, we have not a great high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So Christ lived this life as we live it and left without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Because Christ was the example for us that lived the life, God, you wouldn't understand. Actually, I would. He says, because I've done that and I've walked that path ahead of you, I can now empathize and help you because I've walked that life that you are now walking and I was victorious in it. And so it's important for us to realize that we have that. We need to be tapping into that. You want to see your fire come back for God? You have to, as a believer, make sure that your prayer life is active. That your prayer life is active. We're going to talk about some things regarding prayer and how it can help you, and then we will be done with the services tonight. Our gracious and heavenly Father, I pray that you meet us here. I pray that as we learn all the importance of prayer and why we should do it, and how it, how it helps us that we would be able to be people that learn, that are inclined to spend more time with you. And God will give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at verse 4. Um, well, first, we're going to talk about, um, I have three different sections here. Number one, we're talking about getting you need. Getting the things you need, all right? Prayer, general prayer is defined as a petition, right? Asking for stuff. Mom, can I have a cookie? Right, It's a general petition, asking for things. All right? So we're going to talk about getting the things you need. And now we're, in James chapter 4 it gives us a really, really in-depth breakdown about prayer, about asking for things, and about why you may or why you may not get it. So let's look at some things. We're talking about prayer, right? All right so number one underneath that, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Look at verse 2. You lust and you have not. Excuse me. You kill as to have and cannot obtain. You, war, you fight in war, yet ye have not because you ask not. Let me tell you what blows my mind. Blows it. Boom. You know what blows my mind, church? People who get mad at God because God didn't give them things and they never asked him for anything. Is it true that God already knows what's on your heart? Yes. Is it true that God already has provided for the needs that you have in your life? Yes, but God also says, just because I know what you want doesn't mean you don't have to ask me for it. Well, God knows what I want, so He says, no, 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 no. You want something? You know, parents, you tell your kids use your words. You want something? You ask. You ask for it. The other day, we were with um. We were driving back from the youth rally this past week, and um, we we're playing music in, in in the van, and a thora was passing heard the phone to me that was playing the music, and she was saying, you know, would you, do you, you mind? I said, Athara, use your words. Use your words. And she was asking me some things about the phone. But the same thing applies to us as Christians. So many times we get so frustrated, like, God, you know, why didn't you do this? Well, my first question to you is, did you ask? Did you ask? He says, you have not because you ask not. Because you ask not. So many times as, as people, people in the world, I talk to people every week that are mad at God because he didn't do X, Y, and Z. And we don't even think about the fact that, did you ever take it into consideration that you didn't ask him for anything? You assumed he's supposed to. You assumed that he owes it to you. You assumed that these things should happen just because he's God and he has a, he has a responsibility to do, the, to do these things. He says, no, if you want something from me, you need to ask me for it. Is that you today? Are you, are you part of that group that's right now that, that, that they, you have that struggle with God and, and you're mad about different things? And he says, hey, I, I asked you for these things and, and for some reason you didn't find it in your, in your mind to, to, to give it to me. And, or maybe you didn't even ask at all. And we may say God already knows what I need but expects you to come and ask for it. You need to ask. It's playing as day. It's plain as day. You ask for those things. But look at the second thing under underneath here. This is a big part. I want to spend a lot of time on this for a little while. So he says in verse 2: Ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it. Yours. Church, I'm going to talk to you for a second. Sometimes God is not going to give you stuff or what you asked for because you're asking for the wrong reasons. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that man looketh on the outward appearance, but where does God look? On the heart. Sometimes we come to God and we're asking God, God, give me this. God, give me that. And God says, I hear you and I know what you're asking for. I hear your petition, but no. Well, God, why not? Because, number one, God knows better than you know. Would you subscribe to me, with me, that God knows the future? Could it be that God in his infinite knowledge knows the path you're going to take? He knows all the options of all the paths you can take and knows the direction and the outcome of every single one of them. Would you subscribe with me to the fact that God is looking out for you? God, how dare you take this from me? Or God, how dare you deny that? Or, or God, how dare you not allow these things to happen or for these things to happen? He says, wait, before you start getting on your high horse, let me remind you that I'm God and that I know what's going on and I know what is best for you. And the thing about this, when you ask God for things, what does the Bible say? He will, he will grant you the desires of your heart. But there's an asterisk on that. Do you know what that asterisk is? When your desires begin to align with the desires of God, you start getting the desires of your heart. And we're human, right? We're flesh. We're flesh and bone. And humans that are flesh and bone, we operate in a flesh and bone style manner. And so sometimes it's just pure, we think, what does the Bible say? There's a, there's a way that seems right into a man, but in the end is what? The ways of death. You may think, what does the Bible say? Uh, uh, he says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, he talks about how it's important for us to, um, in all our ways, to acknowledge God, and he will direct our paths, and for us to lean not into our own understanding. That's not, a, that's not by accident. It says, it says Narrow is the way to righteousness and broad is the way to destruction. He says that narrow way, there'll be few that find it. He says, hey, I'm trying to funnel your life in the way that things need to go so that I can help you to maximize the potential that I have put in you. And so when we go to God and we're asking God for things, you need to remember that sometimes you need to check your motives about why you're asking things. You need to check your heart for why you ask things because he says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You're asking it in a manner that is not proper that you may consume it upon your lust. The reason why you're asking for this is not to be a better husband or to be a better better father. It's not to be a better wife or a better mother. It's not to, to be the best you can be for God or to be a best Christian. You have your own intentions. You have your own things in mind about what you. You want to do it what God's trying to give you with your life and that's the reason why you're not getting it. And it's for your own good. Has it ever occurred to you that the reason why God keeps shutting the doors in your life is because you're trying to walk through the wrong ones? Hey, has it ever occurred to you that maybe you're praying for stuff but, in, but rather than praying you're asking for a stamp of approval? You know there's a difference? Sometimes we go to God and say, hey, God, 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 I want this. I want this and I can't get this out of my pocket. He says, God, God, I want this. And and he says, "Okay, you you want this, but why do you want it? What's the what's the purpose behind it? And if it's not to make you better or or to bring glory to God or or to help enhance your testimony, God does not want you. To do those things. Why? Because the Bible says that he that began a work in you will finish that work. You know, there's a plan for your life. Miss Penny, there's a plan for your life. God's got a plan for every single person in the room. What did he tell Samuel? He said, before you were formed in the belly, I knew thee and I ordained you for a specific purpose. God has a plan for your life. Now, God has what's called a perfect will and he has what's called a permissive will. God's perfect will says this, Brother Troy, if you walk the life that I, have, that I have ordained for you, these are all the things that I'm going to bring into your life. These are all that I have for you. But we can get to a place where we may deviate from that path or try to do things in our own way, and we'll walk, run into a locked door. And you have two options. You can either walk away from that door, you can wait, or three options. You can walk away from that door, you can wait in front of the door, or you can kick the door down. And what happens is we have to understand that we... We may ask, and God may say no. We'll ask and say, you ever had that happen where your your kid kept asking for things after you told him no, and you end up just getting mad, frustrated? Give me your phone. Go get the paddle. You know what I'm talking about? I remind you of Moses. When God came to Moses, and Moses, you need to lead the people into the promised land, and he said, I can't do it because of this. And God says, well, I'll provide you for this. He says, okay, but I can't do it because of this. And finally, God was like, Moses, stop. Stop. You're going. You're going. Know that where that yeah? It says you're going. End of discussion. Okay. But that's no different from what from us. We want something so bad and we say, God, I want it, God, I want it, God, I want it, and we'll try to force the door down. And let me tell you what happens. If God allows you to kick that door down, you have now walked into his permissive will. Well, he'll say, Okay, fine. But let me tell you this, if you remove that seal and walk into that permissive will, you are settling for far less than what God has for you. Not to mention actions have consequences. Not to mention actions have consequences. What are you going to do with it? Sometimes as Christians, we we forsake the A that God is trying to give us in that grade for a C-level product. For a D-level product. And sometimes what you get is what you're stuck with. you got to be really, really careful in what you're asking for because you just might get it. And so sometimes he closes that door because he says, hey, as a child of God, I have something for you that is far better than this. So wait on me. Be patient. Be still and know that I am God. But we don't like to wait, do we? We're impatient sometimes, aren't we? And we have to know now, don't we? And because of those things, we end up running headlong into trouble. And when we do that, and face with the consequences that come with that trouble, we want to then blame God for being mis- for mistreating us. How could you allow this to ha- pump your brakes? Cause it was your fault. Anybody in here that ever had that happen to them? You reap what you sow. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. If God is going to let you have it, you better be prepared for what you're going to get with it. Be prepared. Because it's not all cracked up to be. Brother Xavier, can you find any, any instances in the Bible where this happens? I will be happy to show you some. Can I bring you to, Apost- to, 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 to Saul, King Saul? What ends up happening, they had a theocracy where God was leading the children of Israel for a long time. And they say, no, we're looking around. All the kings are all around. Us, all the nations around us, Brother Dominic, we want a king. And Jesus goes, you know what? i 'm sufficient for you or Samuel's telling them, like through God through samuel i 'm sufficient for you why would you want to why would you want what they have? Why would you want to be like the world? We want a king, we want a king, we want a king. He says, all right, you want a king i 'm going to let you know right now they 're going to take your husbands and bring them to war they 're going to take your wives and, and your daughters and make them confectionaries they 're going to take your land and they're going to Taken it far from me and far beyond anything you could have ever imagined. You better be careful what you ask for. And still, what they say? We want a king. And that started a long line of pain for them. What about you? How many times have you asked for a king? And God has laid out all the things in your life about why. That's not a good idea to have that king. You say, but God, I want a king. I want the king. I want the king. He says, you have not because you ask not. But you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. He said, man, the reason why you want this thing is not a good reason, brother. Beloved, it's not a good reason. It's not going to help you. It's not going to grow you. As a matter of fact, it's going to hurt you. Don't do it. Don't do it. And if you keep on being persistent, because God is a God who likes to give us our free choice, He says, fine, have it. But you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. It is important. We're talking about this fresh fire and why prayer um, is important. And we're talking about the things that you need. You have to be careful because sometimes God doesn't give us things. But I think that we will be glad in the end run, in the end run that it didn't. We'll be glad in the end run that it didn't. It's important for us to realize that God knows what is best for us. We're talking about prayer. Look at number two. Look at verse 18. We're going to go to, uh, sorry, not verse 18. We're going over to Luke 18. We're going over to the book of Luke, chapter 8 We're trying to get that prayer for prayer. We're trying to increase that prayer life of ours. And it's important for us to realize why it's important getting what you want you got to ask for it but you got to make sure that you're asking right and for the right reasons look at look at um look at Luke 18 look at verse 1 and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always pray and not faint number 2 remember that prayer requires patience prayer requires patience we always talk about the time the, the timetable and how God doesn't operate on that. But what we need to understand also is that one time asking for things won't do it. I wholeheartedly believe that in that moment where God is wiping the tears away from our eyes, one of the things that he'll show us is all the things we could have had if we would have just prayed a little longer. If we would have just asked a little bit more. If we would have been a little bit more persistent. Well, doesn't that mean I'm being annoying to God? No. It doesn't mean that. But sometimes, God, you have... You have four things that happen when you pray. You have God saying yes, God saying no, God saying maybe, and you have nothing. And that nothing is not going to stay nothing for long. That's in that place where you're waiting for him to provide you an answer. And so many times as Christians, we get into that place where we're waiting, we're in that limbo stage where we're waiting for the answer, and what we're doing is we're getting impatient, and we're watching our watch, and we're, and we're tapping our feet because God is taking too long. And what ends up happening is we usually end up making a rash decision and try to mask it behind stepping out on faith. When what ended up happening was we didn't want to wait on God. We didn't want to see what God was doing. We didn't want to wait for him to provide us for that need. But one time won't do it. You got to keep on asking. He says that men ought always pray and not faint. Faithfulness, I believe that faithfulness for God's provisions are just as important in what you're asking for to begin with. They are just as important. You need to make sure that you do not give on it, give up on it. Keep asking until you get an answer, whether that is yes or whether that is no, but you do not wait while you're in limbo to just say, well, I'm just going to make a decision because I don't want to wait on God anymore, and Lord knows we've done it. Lord knows we've done it. Thirdly, Remember that, and just as a segue, God always answers. God always answers. Sometimes, as you said before, the answer might be yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not now, but he always answers. Watch this. Sometimes we are okay with that. We take, check it out. We take God telling us no, as He hasn't answered us yet. His answer wasn't the one that you wanted. Oh, God's not hearing me, or, or God's withholding blessings from me. And no. Sometimes God has already answered you. Sometimes, check this out. Have you you even realized that you have already asked for something that you have already received an answer for? You're asking for something. Sometimes we do that where we we ask for things that we know that we already have the answer for. Like if the Bible was clear and concise on an issue and we start asking God about it, what you asking for? You already know what the answer is. But we do it anyway because we hope that our parents will break down and give us what we wanted. Well, if God breaks down and gives you what you wanted, I'm worried for you. I'm worried for you. It's important for us to realize that God Always answers. He'll always give us an answer, and will always, we just have to re- remember that there's a corresponding time that works alongside that. That works alongside that. Number four. Asking for things outside of God's timing for you is a no-no. Asking for things that God has for you outside of his timing is a no-no. Brother Xavier, what do you mean? If I want something that I believe that God has for me right now, but God hasn't given, if God hasn't given you something, there's a reason why he hasn't given it to you. When I was 18... You're thinking about, man, I'd love to have a wife someday. Well, that time was not at 18. It was at 26. But to want things that God has, God may have things for you, but wanting it outside of his timing is covetousness. Wanting what's for you outside of that timing is not for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? A little bit of a tongue twister, a mind puzzle. If you want something that God has for you outside of his timing that is wrong of you. Brother Xavier, can you give us some examples from the Bible? I'll be happy to show you one. The prodigal son. He goes to his father and says, Father, I want my inheritance. Well, how do you get an inheritance from your father in those times? Someone had to die. Dad, I know you're not dead yet. You look like you're close, and I'm just kidding. You're not dead yet, but I want my inheritance now. That's he coveted. That's covetous. He wanted something. The definition of covetousness is wanting or lusting after something that is not for you. And if it is not for you now, that is coveting. Now, be careful. That doesn't mean that you can't be in want, but the Bible does say that godliness with contentment is great gain. And he does say that He'll bring us to a state of contentment where we are without want, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That's what he says. And so you have to remember that you need to say, God, what is it that you have for me or that you want me to do now? Now, because we can't put a rush on what God wants for us because it's not going to work out. Look at check, check this out. A lot of these sports players, they end up becoming they're part of the NBA or the MLB or the NFL, and they get all these different, you got an 18-year-old man who's barely out of high school that just became a multi-millionaire. And what ends up happening, a lot of those sports stars go bankrupt like a couple years after they're done. Why? Because they probably should've taken a money management class, they probably should have some financial advisors, they probably should have some of these things to help them make good decisions. So, from an outside perspective, and it might be because I'm broke, but from an outside perspective, an 18-year-old with $21 million in his account, is probably not a good time for him to have that kind of money. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, what do you mean? Well, what do you tell your kids? You give them $5, and $5 in the grand scheme of things is not much. But what do you tell them? Don't spend it all in one place. Don't, don't, don't spend it all. Save your money. Do it wisely. Why? Because you don't hand them 100 bucks. You hand them something that they can handle. What am I trying to say? Is that God wants you to take what you can handle. What does the Bible say? If you're faithful in the small things, in time, you get the bigger things. In time, you get the bigger things. And so if you're wanting things that are bigger for you, my first question to you is, how has your faithfulness been and the small things. I, I deal with a lot of young people and people who, I, I, don't understand, I don't understand prideful Christians. I don't know how that works. When we follow a man who literally humbled himself to death. So I don't get that. But I digress. And a lot of these, I hear a lot of these, these young men and, and they covet the pulpit. They want want to be head pastors, they want to be senior pastors, they want to be able to do these different things. I'll say, look, some of y'all want to be a pastor, and you don't even know how to stack no chairs at the fellowship. A little bit far-fetched, but you get the point, right? You got to be able to do, do small things and work your way in the small things and be faithful in the small things, and then he ends up, then you end up being blessed with the bigger thing, the bigger thing is if you look in the Bible about the, the, the young ruler who gave the people talents, and he didn't start them off with ten talents, Mr. Seal. He gave them five. And then what, and he says, you take these five talents and you grow these five talents. And then what ended up happening? He gave them the five talents, they grew the five talents, and when they had ten talents, what did he do? Good job. Keep it. Keep it. And the one man, he had, well, I think it was three talents, and he, he doubled it and it became six. He said, keep it. But what about the man who had one? He had one talent, Mikey. And he says, I, I took that talent and I, and I buried it in the ground to keep it safe. Because I knew that you, are, uh, that, that you are a terrible man and all these other things. And I feared what would happen if I lost it. And then the, the, the ruler ended up calling him and told him, he's, you know, you're a sluggard. Lazy. There's, there's no way. He took his one talent and gave it to the man that had ten talents. What's the point? We ask for things that God has for us in a time when we are more mature. When we are more spiritually, check this out, responsible. When we are a better steward of our time." and of our finances, of our own well-being before he will give us things that will influence others potentially. Have you ever thought that the reason that God didn't give you stuff yet is because you're not mature enough to handle it? I don't care if you're 5, if you're 15, if you're 50. Sometimes God will hold things from you to say, okay, when you're ready, it's almost like a trust fund. I have all these all these things for you, almost like a vault. And I will give them to you with time. You have to be patient, though, in that time. In that time. If you would have told me that I was candidating to be a pastor, when well, not 10 years, I'm 27, so 10 years ago, I'd have been like, You're crazy. I barely read my Bible. And I watched as God is slowly was able to, you know, as I, as we surrender to Him slowly, He now He puts a little bit more on your plate. It's like you go to I started off at college. I'm just a freshman, and next thing I know, I'm a second semester sophomore, and they're in, they're interviewing me for a residence assistant position, you know, a place of leadership on, on campus, and and different things started happening. I became an, an officer in my collegiate, and different th- things like that. And I remember seeing God blessing in that way, and giving me positions of leadership and different stuff like that. And if that all would have happened to me when I had just walked into college, I probably would have blew a lot of that. Probably would have blew a lot of that. I mean, it was hard enough when when it came to me. But I probably would have blew it it if it would have came to me earlier. Truth of the matter is, if God gives you something that you want, that is meant for you later now, you're probably going to blow it. You're probably going to blow it. I want you to be able to sit back as you pray to God and you ask for things. You say, God, help me to be content with what I have now until your timing is right for you to bring that to me that you have for me. The blessings that you have, the, the things that you have set aside for me when, as you unfold that path for me. Help me to be okay with where I am and what I have now so that I can be properly equipped to do those things. Because i tell you what, God is not going to call you to something and not equip you to do it. God is not going to bring you something and then not give you the tools to properly be demonstrative of how to do it right. You have a responsibility as a believer to say, okay, God, this is not here for me right now, which means I'm not ready for it yet. Let me tell you the truth. that takes maturity. It takes maturity. And so recap. He says, hey, you, I, there's things that you need, and how do you get those things? You ask me for it, but make sure that you ask for the right reasons. He says, hey, prayer requires patience. Don't give up. He says, hey, I always answer. Sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is not now. And then we talked about how if you want what God has for you outside of his timing, man, that's a no-no. But lastly, understand that prayer is powerful. Understand that prayer is powerful. There are two kind of prayers that are covered in the Word. There are two kind of prayers that are covered in the Word. And we're going to talk about those, and then I'm going to give you five things that you may be, need to Im- include in your prayer life, and then we're going to be done. All right? You have your general first thing, which is petition, which means to just ask. God, can I have this? Right? And then you have an amplified form of prayer known as, who knows? Who said it? Fasting. Fasting, right? And fasting is when you deprive yourself of something, usually food or water, to say, God, I'm going to show you how important this is to me. A good reference for that is Esther. When Esther was going to stand before the king, and what does she say? She gets all her handmaids together. She says, Don't eat it, don't drink for three days. We and, and, and pray to God over the situation. It's an amplified form of prayer. Look, if you have never fasted, I you're missing out. You don't even, It doesn't even have to be a full day fast. Do a do a half day fast. Skip skip lunch and skip break, skip breakfast and lunch, and then pray during those meal times. And I'm telling you, man, you don't even have to ask for anything. Just say, God, I want to hear from you. Honor this fast. And fasting, is, and fasting is important. We see fasting happening a lot where they will cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes and, and different things like that. Fasting is important. It's an amplified form of prayer to say, God, I need this. I need this decision. As we've been coming, getting to this point to the, to today, my wife and I, we fasted together. I fasted with friends and, and we've prayed and a lot of those different things happening because we want to hear from God. And say, God, I'm going to strip myself of these things so that you can know that I really do want to hear from you supplications, begging, all right? So, so with that being said, five quick things that you may need to incorporate into your prayer life. Five quick things that can, now listen to me. There is no way, proper way to pray. How do you talk to God? The same way you talk to me. Talk to him like you talk to anyone else. Talk to him like you talk to your father. But if sometimes, if, there may be people in here that say, Brother Xavier, I don't really know what to pray about. Well, let me help you, all right? You can break it down into an acronym, P-R-A-I-S-E. You can break it down into an acronym, P-R-A-I-S-E. All right? That's praise. All right? The first letter, P, is just praise. Begin your prayer with thanking God. If you, ever, if you, always look, if you look at the Psalms, I encourage you to look, pay better attention to the Psalms. You look at the Psalms and see when David is addressing God, David usually... Starts his, starts his psalm in praise. In the middle, he'll express his heart, what is on it, and he'll end with praise. When you pray, don't, be ask, don't just be asking God for stuff all the time. Learn to say thank you every once in a while. You, you hear me? R. R stands for who can guess. Somebody guess. I like interaction. R, what do you think? What do you say? Respect? Nope. Request? Nope. 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 You're dancing around it. Nope. Nope. Repent. 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 What does that mean? You go to God and you say one of two things. You say, God, I've I've messed up this way. Forgive me. Or, God, if there is anything in my life that is hindering our relationship, remove it. You repent. You get right with God. You make sure that you always, I always try to, you know, say, Lord, I thank you for your son and for him to die on the cross for our sins. I say, God, if, if there's anything that I've been struggling with, it, I'll go and get it right. And I say, God, if there's anything that I've, that's in here that's not right, bring it to my attention so that I can get that right, so that our fellowship can be right. All right? So P, praise. R, repent. A, augment. A-U-G-M-E-N-T. Augment, and the word "augment" is a musical term which means to lift or to elevate. Praise God for who He is. So before the P, you're asking, you're praising Him for maybe what He's done for you. A, you're in that augment, you're, at, you're thanking Him for uh, for the, for who He is. I would um, a lot of those names, that series that we did before um, when we were talking about the names of God. That's a great time to implement that in your prayer. We thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, for God who provides and Jehovah Rapha for a God who heals and Jehovah Nisi for a God who brings us the victory, who goes before us those are the times where you incorporate that augment, I I so P is praise, R is repent A is augment, I intercede intercede what does it mean to intercede? pray for people anybody in here need some prayer? I know I need some I need it Pray for me, please. Pray for me, please. Pray for others. Make sure, don't, don't let your prayer time go by where you don't, you just spend some time just thinking about yourself and don't think about the people that are in need. You ask God for some, you ask God to say, hey, I know that Kalei is struggling. Will you please meet with her? I know that Dominic is hurting. Will you please mend his heart? We know that so-and-so is sick. Would you put a healing hand on her and, and, and bring a healing to their, to their family, you pray for people. You pray for people. All right? So we get to, we're at P, we praise, R, we repent, A, augment, I, intercede, S, supplicate. Supplicate. The word supplicate literally means to beg. If you have, and that's where that, that, um, that passage we talked about, men are always pray and not faint. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing, right? And so it's important to have those things and supplicate, right? You beg God, God, I need this. Provide this need for me. Like our family needs this, or I need this, or I need this job, or I need this raise, or I need all these, I need these different things. You go to God and say, God, I need this. Provide it for me. So P, praise. R, repent. A, augment. I, intercede. S, supplicate. E, equip. Equip. And equip is simply this. God, equip me. Give me the tools that I need to be the successful Christian that you need me to be. God, help me to walk in your truth today. To walk in the light. To not leave this house without my armor on. For you to put a hedge of protection around me. For me to be a better husband. For me to be a better wife. For me to be a better co-worker. For me to be a better boss. For me to be a better... You use those things and you say, God, you help me to be the best that I can be for you. And i tell you what. As I said before, you don't need a certain, you don't need a certain map to pray because just talk to God. But I tell you what, if you'll try that acronym for praise, you're gonna be pushing the hour. You'll be pushing an hour at least. Someone brought that to my attention and, and, and it helped me w- with that. I mean, just going through that list by itself, you'll be there a long time. So you're struggling with prayer, you're not going to after that. You know, you'll see how much ground you cover. Just something, just something to help. But listen to me, prayer is important. And if you want to see God do some serious things in your life, you need to spend some time talking to him about it. That's why even though sometimes, as I said, being transparent, Prayer feels like work to me. I don't miss it. I don't miss it because I still recognize what it can do. And I hope that you do too. Bow your head and close your eyes, please.